Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they show it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted. By Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. Good evening, everyone. Wednesday night, we're back at our usually scheduled time. Ryan, I feel like it's been a couple weeks since um, we've been we got after it on a Wednesday night. So we're gonna do a show after practice today, and I te- and I texted you. Let's let's move it back to the usual time, eight o'clock. If you're joining us for the first time, thank you. There's a lot of people in here already, amped and ready to go for this show. These uh, practice observation shows are, are always a ton of fun. We're going to get into everything that I saw out at the stadium today. This is the Shout Bills football podcast. I am your host, Matt Perino. He's my co-host, Ryan Talbot. What is up, buddy? How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Like you said, excited to be back on our normal time slot. You know, we're usually pretty flexible anywhere from 7 to 8 o'clock start times here. But nice to be live again on Wednesday night. Yeah, I'm fixing my um, thing because I've been I've been uh, been getting after it today, Ryan. We had um, one of the first comments. Any news on Ertz, Zach Ertz? I had him. At, what did I have him at? Eight in our in our outline. Yeah. Um, on the thing, um, <laughs> we'll get to him. We'll get to Zach Ertz at some point during the show. There is no news, and I and I actually did see that some people. Um, I saw a, a tweet out there from somebody. I don't think it was a reputable person. I haven't seen anything from. Um, any of the national guys yet on Ertz, and I know everybody's looking at it. And you put up a story that you know they're uh, the Bills are are the top team in terms of odds at plus two hundred there to get them. Uh, but we'll dive into that in a little while. Before we get too far into this, thank you for watching. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, make sure you hit that subscribe button. If this is your first time here, hit the like button on the video as well. We'll get this thing. Uh, pumping and going uh, uh, on YouTube, uh, obviously our favorite platform. Don't tell Facebook and Twitter. Uh, I'm just <laughs> kidding. Um, we have no, we don't play favorites on the Shout Bills football podcast. Uh, but a lot to get into today, Ryan. I'm uh, at this point. Uh, hopefully, everybody's had a chance to dive into my observations. Uh, we were out at the stadium at Highmark uh, today. I see a comment on Gregory Rousseau. We are definitely going to get there as well. And I think for these shows in the future, I just had an idea. Maybe we can get like a kind of a scrolling thing in terms of, you know, what we're going to cover over the course of the show. That might be a fun thing to do. Uh, But a lot of video uh, coming out today. Um, 
what were your early impressions from everything that you read and saw uh, about practice today? Well, you know, first and foremost, it was good to see that uh, Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs look like they're once again on the same page here in 2021. It, uh, a lot of really accurate throws his way, a nice deep ball thrown his way that you had video of. So, you know, that's the big thing, first and foremost, that Allen and to Diggs uh, rapport was so big last season. It, you figured it would it would still be there. The chemistry would still be there, but it should only get better with time. And then the other thing is, the new faces and maybe not new, but faces that weren't here last week that are now here, including Diggs. You had Diggs, you had Emmanuel Sanders, you had Devin Singletary, someone that we're going to be talking about here pretty soon. So it was also nice to see that some of those players that weren't here last week were back in the fold this week. The usual reminder as well. Let's get that out of the way at the top. So I was out at practice. There are guidelines that the bills put out for these practices that are closed to fans where we're only, it's kind of like regular season rules. We're not allowed to report on, you know, strategy, any type of like, you know, if something happens special teams wise, we can't report on that. We can't report where guys lined up or um, what team they were on. So if you're coming here looking to find out about, you know, you know, was this guy, uh, you know, in the first team offense or first team defense, we're not there yet. Hopefully there's fans in some capacity at training camp that allow us to open things up a little bit more and get into that a little bit more. But uh, there's only so much we can talk about. But one thing that we can talk about were some of the plays that happened during 11 on 11 today and seven on seven where the Bills ran, uh, you know, a pretty good chunk of a 90 minute practice today out in Orchard Park. Uh, they got some teamwork in. I was talking to Sal Capaccio. I was sitting with him uh, while we were watching the practice. And it was pretty amazing at how fast paced the practice was like they were in regular season form almost, or at least training camp form coaches had headsets on, they had crowd noise blaring. And that's something we could talk about too. I don't think that they're, you know, I don't think that they're wasting any time preparing for, you know, the return of fans getting back in the seats and, you know, getting guys used to hearing just the eruption of fans after going a year of playing in that new environment, it might be a little bit of a shock to the system. So I think in a lot of ways, that was a smart way to go about starting things off, uh, you know, in the second week of OTAs. Yeah, it's really smart. I mean, crowd noise is going to be a big factor this season, even if I think stadiums will be at full capacity come fall. But even if they're not at full capacity, you're going to be traveling places where you have 80, 90 percent of the fans in the stands and one year ago, it was a stark contrast where there was no one in the crowd and you could audible the line pretty easily. You could make those changes. Fast forward to the AFC Championship game last year. The Bills traveled to Kansas City. And I think the crowd noise affected them. Now, I'm not saying it's the reason they lost that game, uh, but I think it, it affected their timing on some snaps and some plays and it threw them off a little bit. So the, the sooner you can get that crowd noise pumped in, the sooner you can get uh, moving like you're at full speed or at least training camp speed, the better. Because, you know, I know it's not quite summer here yet. We're, we're still in early June. But before we know it, summer's going to be gone. We're going to be in fall. We're going to be talking about actual football games being played. All right. We're going to get into a lot of good stuff here. And if you want to get in the comments, if, you, if you're just getting in here now, I see the numbers are starting to really pop here. If you're watching on YouTube, I'll remind you again, hit that subscribe button. Hit that like button on this video. Uh, we'll try to get as many people in here and we get the chat going as well. I see some already, you know, people putting some stuff down. If you have anybody that you want to specifically ask me about, put it in there and we'll try to get to it over the course of this episode. I got my notepad here and I got about mm, five pages of notes that we can go check that out and, and, and see if I have anything written down on the player that you'd like to know about. We're going to get into the defensive line as a group because I know a lot of people are excited about that. You know, this practice, Ryan, you know, very much half speed. I mean, they were going through a lot. 
I don't want to say half speed, maybe 60 to 70% speed. You know, the one uh, 11 on 11 drill, the defense wasn't really, uh, they were pulling off of every route. So, I mean, there weren't really any, you know, uh, ball battles when the ball was in the air. So, you know, you got to take everything that you hear here with a grain of salt and know that this was, you know, a very light practice, even though they were, you know, kind of going through it fast paced. But let's start with Devin Singletary. Let's get some of the bad out of the way. You know, this is big off season for Devin Singletary. I mean, he spent a lot of time in Florida working on his body, posting the picture of, you know, the new physique. And obviously with all of the hype around Travis Etienne all off season, I think the fans are really going to be zeroed in on Devin Singletary over the course of the next few months as training camp comes as those kind of opportunities to see him uh, compete out there. But then really in the preseason as well, the bills didn't do anything at the running back position other than bring in Matt Breida, who listen, that's a vet that could, you know, if, if Devin Singletary is not watching himself could definitely make an impact and find a way to, you know, get on the field today. One of the big gaffes, and there were a couple of them, a lot of good stuff to talk about too. Singletary, uh, you know, the one ball that I think that I saw him get in a, a 11 on 11 or seven on seven work was a drop, a bobble, a drop. I mean, I wrote about it a little bit. Like it really took you back to the AFC title game when, you know, nothing but green grass around him and he bobbled the ball, dropped the ball. And those are big spots. And, you know, sure hands, the trust factor with Josh Allen, those are big things when you're talking about imp getting guys involved out of the backfield. And as the season goes along, I mean, you know, this is a, this is an offense with so many weapons, you're going to get in a situation where they're just going to move past you in a lot of ways. They're not even going to consider you in those situations. And I'm talking about Josh Allen. I'm talking about Brian Dable and Sean McDermott. You have to earn that trust from this moment. And, you know, Devin Singletary wasn't there last week. He did get here this week and he'll be here uh, likely throughout OTAs. And then we'll see what happens at minicamp, but not the way you want to get started. If you're Devin Singletary, it was, it was a 100% catchable ball. That was, you just kind of like look around the room, like yikes. Yeah. So, you know, deja vu, just like you said, AFC championship game. And I'm glad you, you mentioned that uh, the bills don't hesitate to, I wouldn't say move on, but to put you on the sidelines. If you make those mistakes, We've seen it. We we saw, I want to say it was Singletary's rookie year. He fumbled against the Steelers, and he was pulled off the field for a while. Last year, Zach Moss fumbles coming out of the end zone against the 49ers. He doesn't make an appearance again in that game until, I want to say, late in the third quarter. The Bills have a lot of talent, and they expect you to that when you are on the field and you get your opportunities to not make those mistakes, to not uh, have those gaffes, because the, the, moving the chains is important, not turning the ball over is important, and you know, a drop isn't a turnover, but if it's on a third down play, then you're you're getting your team off the field. And essentially, you're, you're punting the ball in a way that is a turnover of sorts. So you need to be able to prove in those moments, especially early on here, when you have a kind of a golden opportunity. Uh, Zach Moss is still in the red jersey, in the non-contact jersey. You do have Matt Breida here, but Breida is still learning the system. You're in year three. You are the guy right now. Uh, leading by example, you're supposed to be making the most of these opportunities. And, and mind you, it is just one drop right now, but it could be the start of something. If we see this happen again and again after that, then some real concern is going to grow over, okay, can this be the guy on the field when the Bills are in those passing situations? And here's the thing. The Bills are always in passing situations. They are a pass-heavy team. So he needs to be able to prove from now to the start of the regular season that he can be reliable catching the ball. It just sounds like it's been, a, it was a rough start for him today in that one situation. 
Yeah, and again, like you want to, like I said, it's one play in 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 practice, but I guess it just it it more so. I bring it up at the start because you know he missed last week, and it, it is a big off season for him, like leading into training camp. And he's a guy that from the very start, like when you walked into the building and you took a and you walk down the stairs and you get down there, one of the first areas that you see are those running backs, and they're working out to the side, and you know. There was with Zach Moss in the red jersey, red non-contact jerseys. He's still kind of rehabbing the injury. He didn't practice, obviously. Like Devin Singletary was the guy of that group, leading all of the drills, being the guy that I feel like everybody kind of, you know, if fans were in attendance, would be a guy that everybody was looking at and 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 looking to see what he does out there. And you know, those are the kind of plays. Like you only get so many reps in these kind of situations, especially a practice like this to make an impact. And listen, they can get into the season and, you know, Devin Singletary has been really good at times in his career. I mean, you go back to his, his rookie season and I thought he was, you know, outstanding for his first year coming on as a third round draft pick. But, you know, those are the kinds you want the kind of things that you want to sure up and, and being here, the fact that he showed up in week two, I think is a good thing to continue to kind of figure out what you do need to work on. Cause that's something the coaching staff has talked about. We talked to Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott last week, Frazier today. And one of the things that both of those guys echoed is this is a good chance for players to get into the building and kind of see where they're at. And then, kind of go back to the drawing board and work on it from there. Yeah, and, and listen, the running back room was given a vote of confidence this offseason. They didn't really pursue anyone other than Brita, vet minimum deal in free agency. Uh, in the draft, you know, we, we don't know what would have happened had Travis Etienne been on the board at pick 30. You know, Etienne was one of the first people to say, hey, I, I think the Bills are going to take me at 30 if I was there, but we'll never know. But bottom line is, the top two backs were off the board. There was a drop-off. Javante Williams is kind of a mix of Moss, Singletary, and not necessarily a significant upgrade. So they didn't go that route in the draft. So this running back room has to seize those opportunities. Uh, there aren't necessarily better options out there right now, but the Bills flirted with the idea of adding Le'Veon Bell last season. Uh, they could flirt with that idea again if no one steps up out of the, that veteran group. And it's funny to say veteran when you I cut you off there. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. Uh, uh, but it, it's kind of funny to talk about veterans. You're talking about a third-year player and Singletary's second-year player in Moss. But they are, you know, in terms of players that know this playbook really well and have been on the field, those are the guys in Buffalo. Let me uh, play a, a little clip here from practice here. I just uploaded it to see how it would go. Uh, just to get, you know, a nice little treat for you guys watching live here, uh, a little look at the running backs out of practice. So, yeah, just a little idea there, kind of give you a visual with what we were just talking about. I mean, you know, Devin Singletary is, you know, kind of the dude there, and rightfully so. I mean, he's coming back here with Moss on the sidelines. Even if Moss was here, I still think he kind of fits into that 1A role to 1B for Zach Moss. But the more gaffes that he has over the course of training camp and preseason, you know, that that dynamic can quickly change. So we'll see how that plays out. Interesting. Let's move on to some positive stuff, Ryan, because there was like – there's a lot of positive stuff today that I think, you know, uh, some depth pieces, 
Uh, we can go to uh, the defensive line. I, I see a couple comments in here already. I saw some, you know, multiple people asking about Isaiah Hodgins. Uh, I'll, I'll talk about him a little bit. Uh, but I want to get into Sanders and Stefan Diggs reporting. And we were able to talk to Jordan Ployer today. A lot of content will be coming out of the site the next couple of days, guys. I thought Deion Dawkins was outstanding today. Jordan Ployer was really good today. And we'll talk to Micah Hyde tomorrow. I'm, I'm planning on putting out a couple pieces from those press conferences. Um, but I thought that, you know, I, I, I can't remember who asked the question, but Deion Dawkins was at, I think it was me. <laughs> it's been a long day. <laughs> a lot of articles. We got baseball practicing. I'm getting ready for the Mavs tonight. Two, two big game, hoping that Luka Doncic can get it done. Um, but you know, I asked Deion Dawkins, like you guys have unbelievable attendance here at these OTAs. I mean, last week, just 10 guys missing. There seems to be a little bit of a disparity. And uh, I, I thought, I, I thought I counted seven people gone today. I don't remember seeing Saran Neal, but I thought I saw Bobby Hart, but Mark Gaughan and Joe Biscaglia reported that, there, that both of those guys weren't there. So kind of I'll take their word for it. Uh, we were doing attendance. There's a lot of things going on uh, there today. So let's just say nine guys weren't there today. But even still, that's really, really strong attendance. And you get two of your, your offensive leaders, in Emmanuel Sanders and Stefan Diggs, to come back and take part in a voluntary workout. And, you know, we asked Deion Dawkins today, and they said – you know, basically what he said was they know what's on the line and they know the importance of what these team building opportunities mean. And I think you take like the big scope of, you know, what the last month has been about as they've you know started OTAs and we've gotten to start talking to the players again. Obviously, vaccinations have, have been a very hot topic and you could see the trend that has kind of played out here is, you know, they don't want to talk about that. They're going to keep that in-house they don't want to deal with the distractions of it. They're focused on the team and building themselves as a team. Like Sean McDermott always says from the ground up, I think that's a really smart approach. And no matter what you think about the vaccination topic, and that's obviously a side thing that I don't really want to get into again. I mean, we talked a little bit about it last week. It shows real maturity across the board to be handling it internally, all while kind of keeping the team at the forefront it's got to be really music to the ears of Sean McDermott and, and Brandon Bean, no matter how this kind of vaccination issue plays out in, in a good or bad way in the next couple months. Yeah, uh, attendance, uh, having such high attendance is outstanding for Buffalo. Uh, you look around the league, a lot of the teams that have high attendance are teams that have a new head coach or um, a, a new system being implemented, and it's players wanting to learn that system. You know, the Bills ha have the same defensive coordinator, same offensive coordinator, same, same head coach. They're just back here because they want to go from AFC championship game to Super Bowl to Super Bowl champions. Uh, and, and they know the best way of doing that is being together, practicing with one another. Uh, and, and, you know, you look across the board at Tampa Bay, Super Bowl champions. You can't knock them too much. But Bruce Arians called them out a little bit. Uh, recently saying, you know, he, he was hoping there'd be more of a veteran presence there. Now, Tom Brady and company, they're working together, uh, just not necessarily at the facility. So it, there is a contrast between these teams that were right there to the very end, ch championship game for the Bills and then Super Bowl champions in Tampa Bay. And yet the Bills are bringing most people back here for OTAs, like you said, uh, less than 10 people uh, missing with, the, with so many people here, ready to go, ready to work together to achieve that goal of becoming Super Bowl champions. Yeah, a couple of, uh, let's go to the comments for a section here because some of the people that weren't there, I mean, uh, Starla Tulele, um, 
Vernon Butler, Mario Addison, Jerry Hughes on the defensive side of the ball, Taiwan Jones, Mitch Morris, Daryl Williams, a lot of veterans there, guys. And this is voluntary workouts. I mean, this is pretty common across the league. I wouldn't be too up in arms about it necessarily. And, you know, Matthew Harmon makes the comment in there is like, I, I'd like to see Star Latulale there. And uh, do you feel like Star is retiring? No, I don't. And even Jordan Poyer asked today about Star said, you know, he's working off of the side. We're looking forward to getting him back in the mix. I think that that video coming out out of Utah, uh, that training facility uh, shows that, you know, he is planning on coming back. And I think he's a big piece of what they want to do. I mean, Poyer talked about it today. You know, that unselfish mindset, like it's got to be tough if you're Quentin Jefferson or Ed Oliver to be asked to be a three technique when you're asked to do to do that. And then, oh, by the way, part of the time, be unselfish and go and look and and, and take on double teams and, and and do what we need you to do on those downs. I just think it was a lot of, you know, a lot to ask of those two players, Oliver specifically, who you're, you're trying to mold in this three technique role. So I think getting star back is good. I don't think any of the absences are necessarily an, an issue. I do think, you know, another conversation that was ha that we were having amongst, you know, a few media members today is, you know, Mario Addison has himself a battle on the defensive line. I'm put, I'm, I'm, I'm working through my first, um, 53 man projection. I was going to put it out one before this, but one after. And I was like, you know what? I kind of feel like that's so, I would rather just have the, the three or three weeks of OTAs and then mini camp before I put one out. And then maybe we'll put one out uh, once we get into training camp as well. I want, I want to have some, some actual meat to chew into based on what I witnessed, you know, to, to put, to, to give you guys some analysis on that front. And I think Addison, listen, I, I see a, a number of different scenarios where he doesn't make this roster. I mean, you could save money. Uh, Post-June 1st, I think they're going to bring them training camp. I think they restructured his contract in, to say to him, we want to give you every opportunity to make this team. But I don't think for a second that that roster spot is guaranteed. I think he's going to have to come and earn it. I think Gregory Rousseau, Boogie Basham, A.J. Epinesa, who we can talk about in a minute, you know, they're going to have a full off-season program here to, to get themselves in the best possible position to – gain enough confidence from their coaching staff to maybe move on from one of these veterans. Um, you know, we had our, our one good buddy, uh, Sid vicious, uh, Mark on Twitter. I think he DM the both of us and he was predicting Jerry Hughes is maybe a guy that, you know, could be on the hot seat too. If he doesn't have a great training camp, I know it's crazy to think about now because of what he's meant to this team over the last couple of years. But I think that they're in a situation now where, I don't think you're ready to move on from two veterans like that. I think you want some veteran presence in that room. You know how Sean McDermott values that. But with all this ascending talent now, you know where is this a home going to be for Daryl Johnson? It's going to be tough for him to make this roster. Effie uh, Obata, I like him a lot. You 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 had a big uh, projection for him a couple weeks ago. So there's so much competition here on this defensive line. It's going to be fun to track all of them as we move through the summer. It's going to be really interesting to monitor, to watch. Uh, first, going with Star Latula because of all the questions and comments in, in the chat. Um, I think that video, as someone mentioned, was, was great to see. If he looked slow, if he looked like he was going through the motions, then I would be concerned. He looked fit. He looked trim. He looked fast. Uh, so I think, you know, he's showing that he's putting the work in that video. 
Um, for you know, I'm not saying that he he wanted it leaked out there, but I'm sure he didn't mind the fact that it was out there after all this speculation has been going on. But defensive end, you know, having these veterans not at OTAs, we talked about this last week. It's a blessing in disguise for these young players. Uh, AJ Epines, a year two, didn't have a traditional offseason last year. You mentioned that he had a play today uh, at OTAs. He has a, uh, you know, he knows Eric Washington. He probably picked Eric Washington's brain all offseason, but now he's back there. He's he's at that right weight that the Bills wanted to be. He probably feels good at that weight now. That's big for him. Rousseau, Boogie Basham. Uh, obviously, the Bills like them both because they're they were the first two picks of this year's draft class. So. They're not going to necessarily start, but the Bills also aren't just going to sit them on the bench all year either. You're working them in, and as the year goes on, you're getting them more and more reps. So to your point, a Mario Addison or a Jerry Hughes, one of them could be the odd man out. They're both entering the final year of their contract. They're both over 30 years old. So long term, I don't think either necessarily has a future here in Buffalo. Uh, I think Addison, maybe this is the last year. I don't know that for sure, but he, he seemed to fall off a little bit based on his play. Jerry Hughes, I think, can still keep playing somewhere for a few more years. But Buffalo, at some point, you have to turn the page and go with your youth. And it's going to be up to the Rousseau's and the Boogie Basham's and the AJ Epinesa's of the world to show that they're ready for that. But they're going to get be given every opportunity this year to do it. Check out this. I want to read this quote from Deion Dawkins today. I thought it was really great insight on a player. And, you know, Jay Skirsky from the Buffalo News asked him about AJ Appanessa. And if you go check out my observation story, you'll see that uh, I wrote a little bit about uh, just one rep that he had. Uh, it was really, really special against, you know, a Spencer Brown, who is a rookie. So you got to consider that. But it's the kind of thing that you didn't see too much from Appanessa last year. So they asked him to lose all this weight. And he did last year. And then he had this full off season to really find a home for where he wants to be physically. And I think that he's done that. He looked really athletic. He looked quick. He looked comfortable and he, he had some bend around the edge. I mean, this wasn't really his, it was more about his hands and his power and his potential bull rush coming out of Iowa. This was a guy that looked like he had some real bend. Now it's against a rookie six eight uh, tackle who's probably going to have to really get used to his body at this level. But it was some bend around the edge, and he was able to kind of scoot around him and maybe be in a place to make make a play on the quarterback in a regular setting. But here's what Deion Dawkins said when he was asked about Epinesa today. It's funny that you mention AJ. I speak to him every day, and I compliment him every single day, every single morning when I see him when he's walking in from the weight room every single morning, I say, dog, you look great. You put some weight on, you look great, kid. Then I ask him, how does your body feel? And he's like, man, I honestly like it. I said, yep, we do too. I just compliment him. He's taken reps against me and I can physically feel the difference. He's not a feather anymore. He's growing really well. And I'm very excited to see what AJ does next. I mean, that's really a strong statement. I'm going to be writing about that uh, this week over at Syracuse.com. He's not like a feather anymore. Just imagine, you know, we saw a, a nice arc for AJ Epines after struggling early on last season. That really, you got to recalibrate your expectations for him now, knowing how he was able to improve despite not working with the body comp that they wanted. Now he's going to have it at his disposal. Another year with Eric Washington, continuity, veteran leadership in that room with Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison this summer. Big things could be going to come for AJ Epinesa. We're talking so much about Rousseau and Boogie after the draft. It might be Epinesa, who we got, and you talked about him last week, who we really have to transition to. 
Yeah, and listen, it's not just the the body type necessarily and that he looks better already. It's the fact that the coaching staff asked him to do something. Maybe it was Leslie Frazier specifically saying, hey, here's what I envision you playing at. Here's what I see your role as. And he worked to get to that goal last year in season as you're practicing, as you're trying to learn a new system, as you're a rookie in the strangest year probably ever in the NFL. And yet by the end of the season, he was he was just about where they wanted him to be weight-wise. Now, mind you, weight-wise, muscle frame, things like that, that's a little bit different. He, he probably used this offseason to really build up that lean muscle and, and to, to stay at that weight. So he's also appeasing the coaching staff you know, and, and doing exactly what they want him to do. So that's going to go a long way for him as well, saying, okay, listen, this is what they want me to do. I did it, and I did it in an impressive fashion in terms of all the circumstances last year. And you're starting to see the players take notice. And I'm sure that the coaches have taken notice and they've complimented it as well. So now it's just kind of putting it into action and seeing it live on the field. But just like I was saying about Rousseau and, and Boogie Basham, he's going to get his opportunities this year because those three guys are the future of the Buffalo Bills coming off the edge. Not Hughes, not Mario Addison, great players, both of them in their own right, but over 30, final year of their deal, you have to turn the page. You have to rip off the Band-Aid at some point. And I'm not saying that both should be cut, just like you said. Maybe one of them is the odd man out. Uh, but you have to start thinking long-term, even when there is a Super Bowl window like there is right now in Buffalo. We got a lot of people in here, a lot of people on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button. Like this video. It really helps us out as we try to you know, reach uh, the masses. We started this new YouTube channel right during the playoff run and right around the Baltimore Ravens game. And we're already, you know, closing in on 2.5 K. You guys are awesome. The support has been great. Here's another treat, a little video here uh, from out of practice today. I was waiting for the running backs to get going there, and they didn't. I think they were checking on Antonio Williams, who, if you notice, he kind of walked off on that rep. He dinged his foot or something during during warm-ups, went over, looked to talk to the trainer, came back, tried to test it, and kind of shook his head and just kind of stood off to the side. Uh, you also saw Isaiah Hodgins in there. Uh, I, I, I'm not sure if he made any catches during the teamwork today. Obviously, still working in that red non-contact jersey. Uh, and so we'll continue to track him as well. Not a, not a lot of uh, eye-opening plays. I thought Gabriel Davis had a lot of work today, uh, had some balls thrown. I thought the worst throw of the day from Josh Allen actually was attempted for Gabriel Davis, just airmailed it maybe 15 yards down on the right sideline. Um, that was during seven-on-seven, seven, which was right off the jump in practice. Uh, they did all their positional work and you know warm-ups and some other stuff, and then they got into seven on seven, and I think Josh Allen was just ready to go. And like the the old Josh Allen came out for a second, the overhyped Josh Allen. They got the crowd noise pumping in, and he just airmailed it right over his head. And there was a couple other bad throws. We'll get into those as well. But he came back in eleven on eleven, five for six 
uh, including a nice ball to Gabriel Davis down the right sideline. So he made up for that. So that was that was pretty good. Uh, let's get into what do we have next here. Talked a bit about the defensive line. We'll get into the QB roundup. We're right there, actually, right now. Uh, one of the big mistakes of the day was a uh, Jake Fromm interception. And it was another, you know, a similar type of situation on the other side of the field. It looked like he was trying to force one in. Uh, maybe the, you know, going through his progressions and he put it a little bit too high and Tariq Thompson undrafted free agent uh, with the big interception. And, you know, that's a big play for an undrafted guy as a rookie to come in here, make a play, make some, make a statement in OTAs. Um, that's, that's a guy that you might want to keep an eye on. And, uh, somebody just tweeted, uh, retweeted my article and mentioned like, he's a guy to keep an eye on, not only for, you know, a roster spot, it's probably gonna be tough for him to make a roster spot, but you know, uh, an ideal practice squad candidate that you want to keep around. We'll be, we'll be tracking him all summer. Yeah. The, the undrafted free agents. I mean, you got to make, take advantage of every opportunity you get. And, and we've seen it over the years. That's what happens with, with the Levi Wallace's of the world. Uh, it's what happened with the Reggie Gilliam. Obviously last year, Patrick DeMarco was dealing with a neck injury and that allowed Reggie Gilliam to get all those snaps. So, you know, Tariq Thompson, uh, has a lot of talent in front of him at that safety position. So, you know, 53-man roster, probably not a, a path there. But like you said, practice squad, and it's looking like uh, there's going to be the, the extended practice squad again this season based on what I saw reported earlier today. So the 16-player practice squads, that's going to benefit those young players that make the plays now that the teams are saying, hey, you know, we have a lot of talent there right now, but we also have some veterans that eventually – we're going to have to move on from. And if this guy, if we can develop and, and grow this talent along, he might be in our long-term plan. So absolutely important there. You know, Jake from one bad throw, uh, but the bills, obviously they address quarterback two with Mitch Trubisky. Uh, so who knows how many quarterbacks are going to carry this year, but from a, a day three pick from a year ago, he's going to have to probably have a pretty strong OTA training camp preseason to show that he belongs on this roster as well. Yeah, and a couple questions I'm seeing in here about, you know, where's the quarterback competition stand? I mean, listen, I think we're it's pretty established that Mitchell Trubisky is going to be the backup on this team. I, I think Jake Fromm probably falls into a similar bucket as he did a year ago. Davis Webb probably lands in the practice squad. They probably carry three quarterbacks or whatever kind of COVID restriction type of or allowance that the, the league comes up with. Uh, if you could keep a quarterback um, – you know, off to the side and protected. I don't know what those rules are going to look like. They're still, I saw a tweet today from Tom Palsaro. They're still kind of deb debating that, that I thought Trubisky looked, looked good today. Like he looked solid. I thought that he was, you know, living up to his moniker a little bit. I mean, a lot of check downs and, you know, what's funny about that is like in those kinds of, you know, in these kinds of drills, you almost like when a guy like Jake Fromm pushes the envelope a little bit and tries to make a play because, you know, the defense is, is pulling up on every every route. I mean, they're not really challenging the quarterback. And so, you know, I know it's very early stages. He's still trying to kind of get the offense, I would imagine, as well. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky after being in Chicago for four years. Uh, so, but no, he made some good throws today. I thought he was solid. Uh, I didn't write too much about him just because – Nothing really stood out. I was kind of looking for him to make a couple big plays. I probably would have written more about him. Uh, but, what, you know, we'll track him as we get into some real 11-on-11 11 11 work in, in training camp. Um, continues to start, Ryan. We talked about him a ton last week, and we're going to have to talk about him a ton more here. Dane Jackson is just um, – 
I mean, he's he's becoming if he wasn't already that that like Bill's Mafia crush, I think that he is that now just because of the hype that's really building around him. I I I really like the stability that Levi Wallace brings. And Le- Leslie Frazier does as well. I mean, he was talking about it today. There's a lot of excitement about having him back in the mix and uh you know, he seems to kind of stiff arm, you know, any competition that's brought in for him. But Dane Jackson just seems like he's trending towards a real role opposite Tredavious White. Had a huge pass breakup today and I was I asked Jordan Poyer about him and you know obviously you know they're in the same secondary meetings and he has some familiarity team leader I thought that it would be a, a good time to get some insight on Dane and he said I I was motivated by him this offseason I'm watching videos of him training with Aaron Donald and it got me kind of pumped up and this is a guy that you know the confidence level has taken a jump you know, you go from last year where he didn't say a lot. And now Leslie Frazier says he's, you know, he's in team meetings. He's raising his hands. He's engaged. You could see that confidence level grow. And he just continues to make plays today. The first play of the game lined up on Stefan Diggs makes a pass break up. And, you know, it's off the race. He had a couple of those kind of plays today. No interceptions, but a couple of PBUs. I mean, Dane Jackson, Lee, B, Levi Wallace. I know there's a lot of talk about bringing in more competition at the cornerback position. I, I'm really, really excited about this. And I think that this is why that, that competition, I think this is why they haven't brought in another cornerback is because you, you get a developmental guy late in the draft in Rashad Wild Goose. You have Cam Lewis, who's a guy that you spent a lot of time developing as well. Maybe you bring in a veteran, but it's almost like Levi's now that veteran and Dane Jackson has kind of filled that young developmental role of a guy that, you know, could now unseat Levi Wallace. And, you know, that's a great point because Levi's been in the league for a few years now. Uh, so he has kind of ascended to that veteran role and, and he knows the system. And, and if something does happen, whether uh, Dane struggles in a game or there's an injury, he can slide right in and, and take over that role that he's played for so many uh, years already. Now, a- am I against the Bills signing a veteran cornerback? No, because you're one injury away in the NFL from needing someone to step up and, and depth You know, goes quickly there. I think it's one of the most important positions after quarterback in today's NFL. So you, you need those bodies. You need that talent there. So I'm still open to it. But, yeah, give Dane Jackson all these reps and OTAs. Let him see what he can do. We saw a confident player on the field. Maybe he wasn't vocal as a rookie, but when he was given opportunities last year, he was a confident guy. He picks off Sam Darnold, pass breakup against DeAndre Hopkins, tackle on DK Metcalf uh, when he the first snap that he was on the field when they threw right at him. So he knows what he's doing. Uh, he seems to be just one of those gamers, as Brandon Bean kind of called him on that PFF podcast, saying, you know, he may not have those intangibles, the speed that you look for. Uh, all the athletic traits that you look for. But when he's on the field, he makes plays. And it's a good start for him that he's already doing it so early here in OTAs, going against the best that Buffalo has to offer and Stefan Diggs getting those pass breakups. Um, pass breakups in today's NFL, you know, obviously not as good as an interception. No interceptions like you mentioned, but pass breakups lead to punts, lead to third and long, second and longs, whatever the case may be. And that's pretty good in today's NFL, too. So if you can get someone in there that can cover that can make consistent pass breakups, then the Bills defense is going to benefit. Love some uh, some good old fashioned trash talk in the comments tonight. Yeah, here. you know the you know YouTube comments from time to time. I mean, it could be uh, those streets could be tough tough to walk in, and I, I I see Bills fans 
uh, getting into it. You know, that somebody said you really made it when you started to get trolls and you're right. I'm, we're glad we, we accept all people, uh, all fan bases in that want to learn a little bit uh, uh, about the bills through our coverage. So let's keep it, uh, let's keep it respectable. I think everybody's doing a pretty good job of doing that. Uh, and also I just muted somebody. So they're, they're in timeout and, and we're going to have to do that from time to time when people get a little bit aggressive, but um, yeah, let's move this thing along. I want to talk about a couple non um, practice related topics. Um, anything that you have before we move into that portion of the night or, or of the show? Well, I'm going to drop a name because you just released an article on him. So I'd like you to talk a little Ooh, bit more yes. about him. Tyrell Adams, uh, you know, kind of flew under the radar is in terms of being a free agent signing. Obviously it didn't happen during the first wave of free agents. It happened pretty late in the process, but then you, you go and look at it, the stat line last year, over a hundred tackles, uh, with the Houston Texans, now mind you, the Bills only generally have two linebackers on the field, but you need depth in today's NFL. And I thought there were some really good quotes that came out of today's OTA practice that lead me to believe that as long as he can stay healthy and he and he stays on that same trajectory, that there's a really good chance that he makes this roster. Yeah, I mean, not only – I mean, he makes a play today. I mean, that's always good. Um Pass breakup. He was covering Dawson Knox. And, you know, I wrote about it a little bit in the story. I mean, that's going to be something that I think that this regime, like the defensive coaching staff, is really paying attention to this year because you're coming off a game against the Kansas City Chiefs where coverage was an issue. Now, I know that, you know, the the real core of the problem was the lack of pressure against that, you know, front line of the, the, the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. But on the back end, and even at that second level in the linebacking position, you want better coverage, uh, you know, especially against the tight end. If you like, if you play the Chiefs this year, and um, just from an ideologic perspective, like, what's your best chance? Like, you know, if we could somehow take one guy, if you're the Bills, if and if you're Leslie Frazier in, in this defense, if we could somehow take maybe Travis Kelsey out of the game. You know, our linebackers can take another step forward. Maybe a Tremaine Edmonds can, you know, take him out of the game. Uh, Matt Milano, if one of those guys isn't out, you're going to need another option there. And a, a guy like Tyrell Adams, who now has coming off of a year where was able to build some confidence, had a bunch of tackles, like you mentioned, those are the kind of depth pieces you had. You know, AJ, AJ Klein last year was a guy that they were forced to kind of just roll with. It ended up going well. He was able to figure things out on the weak side in, 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 uh, you know, relief of Matt Milano, who was hurt, but the more options that you have and the versatility to keep that guy on the roster. See, that's the thing. Like in an ideal world, you like Tyrell Adams and AJ Klein and maybe play the matchups a little bit, right? Well, you can't do that unless you can count on, you know, the guy opposite Klein to play, to, to add value somewhere else, like on special teams. Like he may have to take the role of Tyler Medikevich or an Andre Smith, a guy that they liked last year that they, you know, he, he, he was up there a lot. They brought him back because of his special teams acumen. And so that's something to keep an eye on. And then I asked, um, uh, Leslie Frazier or Leslie Frazier was asked about this today. And he said he was a tackling machine last year and it came out. It, it really showed on, um, the tape that they watched. And then also he kind of gave some insight into what his role could be. And, you know, he said basically he's going to either be a depth piece for us or maybe, you know, Heath Farwell has already liked what he's seen out of him on special teams. So a guy to, you know, keep an eye on. I put a story up uh, over at the site. You can go check that out. Uh, Tyrell Adams, some cool pictures the AP had as well. Uh, so, yeah, that's there. Yeah, you know, when it comes to Bill's buzzwords, I think number one on their list is versatility. They love players that can play all over the place. 
But number two is special teams. Any player that can contribute on special teams that bumps them up a notch. And, and you're talking about a guy that had over 100 tackles on the field last year, someone that can help on special teams. That just bodes really well for him and his chances of making this roster, uh, considering the fact that that's so important to this team. That They emphasize special teams quite a bit here in Buffalo, and they have since day one of the Sean McDermott regime. Indeed. Um, also, let me get in a little bit. You know, I, I've seen a couple questions in here and we didn't really touch on him because we're talking about so much about Apanessa. Greg Rousseau had one really, really good um, rep. And let me just bring up. Who was it? Oh, yeah, it was Gregory Rousseau versus Tommy Doyle. So two rookies. And those are the kind of matchups that once we get to one on ones with pads on in, in training camp. I'm going to be parked down there. Like I, I, you, those days might be tough for observations because I'm going to do everything at the facility or in training. If it's at St. John Fisher to be at those trench wars, because they're going to be so important. I, I just want to watch them. They're going to be fun. Hopefully get some video. It'll be fun. I'll, I'll, I'll share it on here as well, but it was Doyle versus Russo first round pick versus fifth round pick. And Russo showed, you know, his class on the play. I mean, great uh, technique, got around the edge, which I know there's some questions about his ability to, you know, there wasn't so much bend. It was more just about his quickness and that get off. And you saw it a little bit on the play. Obviously, you know, he, he dialed, it would have been a sack uh, if the play uh, was able to uh, conclude. And it was Mitch Trubisky was in at quarterback and, you know, he was able to get the ball out to Jacob Hollister, but, he got it out because of the half speed. That's sack most likely in a regular scenario. So, uh, yeah, tons more stuff. Go check out the observations. I'll have tons more stuff on this as we go. Um, if you have any more questions before, we're going to talk about two topics before we get out of here. Drop them in the comments, and, and we'll try to hit on them before we go here. Hit that subscribe. If you're in here for the first time, I'm going to keep reminding me, you our, our regulars always do such a great job in the comments of, of reminding everybody. I got to do a better job of, of putting in the plug during the show. So hit that subscribe button. Hit that like button on the video if you haven't already. Uh, checking this out tonight. Uh, our usual Wednesday sl time slot. It feels good to be back here. Let's start with Zach Ertz. And I know that that was a question right at the top. Ertz is just, I mean, if you're talking about trending, I feel like this guy's name has been trending all offseason long. You know, Bill's uh, leaders in the clubhouse, if you will, at, at acquiring him in the trade. Uh, books, bookmakers are making uh, the uh, odds right now, and you can go kind of put a bet on that if, that, if that's uh, where you want to live. Let's start with you, Ryan. Uh, what are your thoughts on a potential Zach Ertz deal at this stage? We've both been on record as saying at times maybe, you know, something that maybe not doesn't make the most sense or maybe the Bills should kind of, you know, take a swing and bring him in. Where are you with it now and where are you with it in terms of the likelihood that the Bills would be in the mix and should be considered the favorite to land him? Yeah, I don't know if I would consider them the favorite. Now, did the Bills do some due diligence at some point in this process? I believe they did. I believe that they've called the Eagles and they've talked. I think you. I think any good team does that. Uh, you go out there and say, hey, we hear this guy's available. What are you looking for for him? But at the end of the day, even though this is a very pass-happy offense, I'm not sure how he fits into this offense. Uh, you, you only have so many targets to go around. Your personnel packages... If you have Ertz on the field, who comes off? What are you running? Uh, th there's a lot of questions there. He is not a game changer in terms of his athleticism. He's not going to be that burner 
Uh, he's not going to be that mismatch that I think a lot of people envision a Kyle Pitts to develop into. He's not a, a Travis Kelsey in terms of what he can bring. He's just someone that finds the holes and gets open, and that's important in today's NFL. Don't get me wrong. But I do have some questions about the fit. I understand that Sportsline has the Bills at plus 200. Uh, some other teams trailing right behind Colts plus 300. Chargers were right there in the mix. I would actually like him in that Chargers uh, mix there. I could see him being a good fit with them. So I, I have some questions about the fit, but I, I'll, you know, the, I'll never hold it against the Bills to try to get better. If they, if they feel like Zach Ertz makes them better and they have a plan for him, by all means, you know, if the price is right and you have this cap space all of a sudden, yeah, kick the tires, see if you can get it done. Uh, in the comments, somebody's saying go Mavs and they're wondering why I'm a Mavs fan. Uh, my cousin was a coaching intern for them. And so I kind of became a fan. I've always been a Luka Doncic guy. I've always liked them coming out of, uh, you know, uh, Europe. And, and I just, I, I like his game. I like, I, and in, like in the NBA, I've always kind of followed players. Like I was a big LeBron guy, Tracy McGrady before that. And like, I just, I'm a big Damian Lillard fan. So I kind of follow players. And so when my cousin had the internship with my the they just became my, my team while, while, while Luka's uh, in there. So that, that answers that question. Big game tonight, game five. Um, but yeah, on Ertz, if you can get him and you can get him for, say, a later day three pick, and I don't even think I would give up a four at this point. I, I, I'd i say five and below. And you can get the, the Eagles to either restructure his deal or you can get some type of agreement to kind of adjust that deal and maybe turn it into maybe one of those deals where – it becomes a prove it contract. Like I think if you're the bills, you're willing to give up a fifth, even for a one year type of rental, even if you don't want to factor him into long-term, my big concern with Zach Ertz remains. How are you getting him the ball? How are you, if you're bringing him in here, what does that mean for Dawson Knox? What does that mean for Jacob Hollister? Because you basically erase those two guys in terms of any type of legitimate role because of the emphasis that's made with wide receiver. Now, if you think that Zach Ertz can come in here and catch 65 balls and, and, and eight touchdowns while not taking away from what the wide receivers do in this offense, then, Hey, this, this is a super Bowl window and I get it. And if that's something that, you know, if you, if you're Brandon Bean and you sit back and say, teams didn't fear our, our tight ends last year, you make an upgrade and you hope that maybe even one year of Ertz, if that is even the case, or maybe two, whatever, maybe that means that Dawson Knox takes a next step. I mean, there's been times when Ertz has been banged up and Dallas Goddard has come out and had big monster games. Maybe that's, uh, maybe that takes the pressure off of Dawson Knox. And, you know, I, I thought today looking at Jacob Hollister up close and personal for really the first time, I didn't notice him too much last week. A lot more quickness than I anticipated. He's got good feet. He's fast. He's known as his, you know, that pass catching ability. There's chemistry with Josh Allen. I'm fine with them going in with Dawson Knox and Jacob Hollister. I think between one those two guys, there's a good chance that one of them finds a niche, finds a role, and and has a you know gives you that player that you that that you can at least count on in some type of limited role at the tight end position because let's be honest i think gabriel davis is still getting targets you know Diggs and uh, beasley are getting targets and i think emmanuel sanders i've seen some people talking some national folks talking about gabriel davis out targeting emmanuel sanders i don't see that 
Go ahead. Yeah, no, that's that's a good point. It's interesting to see how the targets will be laid out. Uh, tight end position, you know, Dawson Knox, first and foremost, this is a huge year for him, year three. Uh, this is the year where those athletic traits need to transfer into something on the field. You can have great times. You can have that burst. You can create that separation, but you have to start to put it together. We've seen flashes in his career, but we need more consistent flashes. We don't need him to be Travis Kelsey or George Kittle this year. It would be great if he developed into a player like that, obviously. The Bills would be thrilled, but we just need the, the Bills need more consistency. Jacob Hollister, he was one of Josh Allen's favorite targets at Wyoming, and I recently went back and watched that game against Seattle. Was, first and foremost, it was just a fun game, back and forth a little bit. The Bills obviously pull away there, but Jacob Hollister had a really good game in that matchup. Anytime that Russell Wilson needed to move the chains, Hollister seemed to be the guy. He seemed to be able to get open against the Bills, move the chains, uh, keep possessions alive for them. And, and if he can do that here in Buffalo in a limited role, then he's going to be worth every penny of that contract. And and like you said, the Bills will be good enough with that Knox Hollister one-two punch. Maybe a Tommy Sweeney as their number three. Time will tell, but uh, I, I don't necessarily think the Bills have to go out and make a move at tight end for a guy like Zach Ertz. Indeed. Let's get to Julio Jones a little bit. We haven't talked about this, Ryan. Like we were gonna do um we were gonna do a Julio Jones podcast and it just didn't materialize. It was busy, it was around Memorial Day, I think, or something. Um where are you? Let's start with you and then I'll chime in on Julio. Where are you with you know, the bills potentially being in the mix for him. Um, go ahead. You, you know, maybe I'll, maybe this will be one of those old takes exposed uh, moments, but I just don't see the reason uh, I, the bills already have enough talent at pass catcher. And I get it, it's Julio Jones. When he's on the field, he's still a special player, but you have Stefan Diggs, who's a special player. You have Cole Beasley, who's one of the best slots, if not the best slot receiver in the game. Emmanuel Sanders, Still a very highly productive player. Gabriel Davis is a guy you're trying to develop. So, uh, again, who's coming off the field? Uh, can you trust the fact that he can stay healthy? I, last year, he, he went through some, some injury issues. Before that, the last few seasons before that, 15, 16 games. So it's not like this has been a year-in, a year-out deal with him. But at the same time, over 30 years old, uh, you have to start wondering when he's going to take that slide a little bit. It's great to think about. It's fun to imagine. But at the same time, this, this is the NFL. You have a salary cap to manage. It's not fantasy football. It, it, it's great in theory. I just don't see how it would come to fruition. What about you? Here's my problem. You know, we're talking a lot about Stefan Diggs' new deal. And if you, ha- if, if you missed that, the Bills opened up some cap space. Reportedly, the team still hasn't announced it. And we haven't talked to Brandon Bean and got uh, confirmation, but uh, Stefan Diggs, they, you know, converted most of his salary in 2021, uh, a move that Brandon Bean is always hesitant to do, but they've had to do that this year with Tredavious White earlier this off season. Now uh, Stefan Diggs, they, they convert most of his base salary into a signing bonus. He gets it all up front and then it pushes some of the salary cap hit to future years. And it's spread out over two years. And I think what this really shows you is, you know, what I really think this was for was probably a Josh Allen extension. If it happens sometimes this off season, um, you know, to fit that, whatever that looks like, if there's added money this year uh, into, into future years. And also I think it sets up a Stefan Diggs 
mega extension next off season. And I think that with those kind of things, like if, if Stefan Diggs comes in here and has the year that you probably anticipating close to what he did last year, you're going to have to get him in the top three receivers in the league next year. I mean, I, I think that that's probably a, you know, a, uh, a handshake deal type of thing. Like, Hey, come in, you know, perform one more year on this, on this deal. And I have no insight on this, but I would just imagine that, you know, those are conversations that are happening, you know, within this group and they want to keep this group happy together. And you bring in Julio Jones, who's got a $15 million cap hit this year. And then I think it's somewhere around that for the next two years, I just don't see how you're going to be able to hand out the contracts that you're going to be able to, that you're going to be forced to hand out. I mean, Tremaine Edmonds is going to have a, um, what is it, 12.75 million hit next year. Josh Allen is going to have a 23 million at least hit next year. That's if they don't come to an extension, which they probably will sometimes this year. And if not this year, early next offseason. So there's going to be all of this money that you got to figure. Now, there's, there's ways they can get out of a lot of deals that are on the books already for 22 and 23. And if you want to take a swing, I just don't, I, I, I do subscribe to the Brandon Bean theory that he's talked about multiple times. You're a never one player away. And right now, if you're looking at this roster, that's a strength. That wide receiver position is a strength. I know that at 34, 35 years old, Emmanuel Sanders expectations need to kind of be quelled a little bit but he still had a really good year last year. There's a lot of talent on this, uh, on this roster up and down that position group on the depth chart. I just don't think giving up the assets on top of the cap hit that he'll be over the next few seasons is worth it. Call me crazy. And I know Julio Jones is a great player, but you, you give up those assets when you're still kind of either in this part of the process or, or in this part of the process. And I think what we saw last year is we're kind of coming on the, the, you know, after effect of that, you know, you, you look at what happened, what's happened with Bitcoin over the last couple of weeks, right? Remember Matt Barkley and company were so bullish on that thing as it skyrocketed to the thing. And then it kind of steadily was like this, like this. And then all of a sudden last week, I think we're coming back. Uh, I'm a big doge guy. I think we're coming back. So that's not financial advice. I just, hoping brain um i think that we're on that kind of decline for julio jones and i don't think you give up those kind of assets on the decline no uh, yeah i agree with that completely i agree with those sentiments uh, but again financially just doesn't make sense like you said there's a deal that has to be done with josh allen there's a deal that's likely has to get done with stefan diggs tremaine Edmonds. the list goes on and on and on so the Bills are going to take care of their own guys first, the people that are already here at One Bills Drive, and that's the smart thing to do, uh, especially when you already have a team that's right there in the mix to be you know, at the Super Bowl or in the Super Bowl this season. Anything else here, Ryan? Anything in the, in the comments? Anything else you want to talk about? We're going to be wrapping up here in a minute. Uh, no, nothing too much, but I really did love all the interactions tonight in the chat. Saw a lot of just great comments. Uh, if you do have specific questions and when we're on that topic, throw it in there. I did see some, and it was just like right after we had transitioned to something else. I saw something in there about was AJ Epinesa in Buffalo all offseason. Uh, I can't remember if he was or wasn't. I feel like that was talked about last week, but either way you know he you know that he was working with this coaching staff making sure that he would be ready to go for his second season so little things like that love the interactions love the interactions even from people that aren't bills fans here tonight oh steve nelson yeah uh i saw that name come up a few times in the chat and and torres too just brought it up again yeah that could be something where uh the, the bills could look and again they like dane jackson a lot they like levi wallace 
But Steven, uh, it's someone that they've looked at, Steve Nelson. They they were one of, what, 14 teams or something that reached out to him, supposedly, according to that report. Um, Nelson, to his credit, is kind of all about the idea, possibly, or just like hear, hearing his name. If you go to his Twitter and you go to his likes, like three of his last five likes are about him being on the Bills. So maybe he's all for it. Maybe that's what he's waiting for. So, yeah, he makes sense. He's someone that... Uh, I think would still cost a little bit of money, but not necessarily Richard Sherman type money. So they might use that money to bring in someone like a Steve Nelson, a Jarrell Casey on the defensive line, uh, if they want to add some depth there on the interior. So th there are veterans out there that won't break the bank, but will help you in terms of your depth and talent. Ryan Talbot bringing it in at the final minute of our hour-long show. It's been fun. I hope you guys got all of your fix in here. Uh, OTAs week two in the books. Make sure you keep it locked on to Syracuse.com. We'll have more content throughout the week and into the weekend. Uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, we'll probably do this again. It'll be a Tuesday show. I don't know if it'll be a night show or not. If we do the Tuesday, like 3.30 show. And like, hey, leave it in the comments too. Like, like let us know like where, what time you like these shows. Like, the, like I know some people like getting settled at night and, you know, watching the show at night. Like, we'll, we'll do that. Or we'll do the show, you know, right after, whatever you guys like. So um, we'll, be, we'll do that. Then we'll have mini camp. Then we'll have a little bit of a break maybe. Uh, and then we'll get you guys going with a couple interviews before we get to training camp. We've got some fun ideas we're throwing around. Uh, for some interviews this uh, this summer. Uh, if you have ideas on that, always hit me up. My DMs are open. My email is open. Subscribe. Like this video. The Shout Buffalo Bills football podcast with Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot is in the books for one more week. Have a great night, everybody. 